The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hey, do you want to know a secret? This is the best tech podcast in the universe. Well, aside from mine, but I might just be a little biased. I'm America's digital goddess, Kim Commando. And wow, look at here. It's a full house on the Secrets of Technology podcast. Look, there's Dom, Father Corey, Joanne, Thomas, Jack, Pat, and Father Andrew. I feel like Snow White here with the seven dwarves or a password that's eight characters long. Take it away. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Pat Scott. Hi, Pat. Hello there. And Father Andrew Consider. Hi, Father Andrew. Hello, hello. So, Father Andrew, tell me, who is that that we just heard? You just heard my good friend Kim Commando. Uh, for those of you who don't know who she is, she does a national radio uh, show um, every weekend. It's a three-hour radio show on everything technology. So she um, has been been doing this for, for decades. So you can uh, go check out her website. It's K-O-M-A-N-D-O.com. But I've been friends with her since I was 17, I think. Um, so, so this was, this was actually something, um, on her national radio show, she was doing a, um, just within the last month, she's brought back this game show called brand new or not true. Uh huh. And so she, she offers a special guest and she asked me if I would be the first of the special guests to be on her show to do this. And she presented me with two products that were fake uh-huh. And one tech product that is true, and I had to guess which one was true out of the, the the three of those. And if I guessed true, or if I guessed correctly, then she was going to record a cameo for me. Awesome. And I, uh, if I lost, she was going to give me a Kim Commando fanny pack. <laughs> and thankfully, uh, I won. So awesome. I asked her if she would do a, a cameo uh, shout out to all of my friends here on the Secrets of Technology podcast, That's my co-hosts and cool. listeners. Awesome. That's so. fantastic. Yeah, Kim, Kim Commando is one of the the best out there at doing, you know, some of what we do. I mean, she's she's, you know, the the leader in this field and you know, she's a syndicated columnist. She's, you know, the yep. radio show, she does a video part of that, you know, the video I mean, it's really awesome. So, it's it it she's makes on, me, she's on Bloom, Bloomberg TV is yeah. actually where her video was going up to. Okay, awesome. I mean, it uh, you know, I feel like uh, we're we we've now reached, you know, uh, at least the edges <laughs> of the pinnacle of the of tech journalism. So I never think of myself as a tech journalist, but uh, you know, it kind of makes me feel feel like I'm in rubbing shoulders with the, uh, the 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 giants, the greats. And I do have to point this out: Kim Commando and her family they are Catholic. Nice. And so it, I mean, and that comes through in in her show. I mean, she'll even reference her her faith, and um, and she's just incredibly generous and in giving to to the people that call in and. Awesome. Uh, she's she's just she's just a wonderful person. So and very informative and very 
funny. Uh, <laughs> and I say that with slight hesitation because she loves her puns. Oh, so even in the yes. cameo, she she was she was being punny, which uh, was which was great because that's that's exactly uh, her style of humor. So she she sprinkles that throughout her whole show. So it's informative and fun to listen to awesome. and watch. Well, Pat, you would agree with me that puns are the highest form of humor, right? Exactly. Yeah. I, you know, that, that was the criteria for who I uh, dated. <laughs> exactly. Right, right. Yes. And when you were, you know, checking out uh, sons-in-law, you're making sure that they were okay yes. with the puns. Yeah. So That's awesome. Right, yeah. Well, thank you, Kim Commando, for uh, giving us that shout out. It, it's uh, such a privilege to, to have you mention us uh, and to give us the cameo. So thank you so much. And thank you, Father Andrew, for thinking of us in doing that. Absolutely. So well, I do want to start out this uh, episode with some listener feedback. Uh, patron, uh, Mike, who's a patron of SQPN at uh, patreon.com slash StarQuest. He uh, had a question for us. He says, I'm losing my job after almost 25 years and I'm considering opening my own consulting business. I recall some indirect banter about best domain registrars, web hosting companies, and email servers last year, but only recall you all were in agreement that one company that sounds a little bit like Stop Mama, you know, Go Daddy, uh, wasn't an ideal place to do this. And so can I ask, what do you use for SQPN and what do we use for ourselves? And uh, so I thought that would be a good way to start this episode is to kind of talk about those three things. It's really, I mean, if, if you have a business, you want to be online, have an online presence, you have three considerations. You need to register a domain, you need to host a website, and you need to be able to get email and other online cloud-based apps. So, uh, Father Andrew, do you do you have a website for yourself or for the church? Or uh, yes, uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> no need to give it out uh, if you if you, if it's not in a condition you want to expose to the public. But just oh, our, you... our our website. Um, well, so that that's one of the fun things about being a young priest is this is now. Uh, I, this is this. I've I've been at three different parishes, but this is now the second parish that I have been involved in a website uh, makeover, if you will. Yes. So uh, the the first place that I was at St. Stephen's Indian Mission out on the Indian Reservation in Wyoming, I uh, I went through I went through WordPress, mm -hmm. and and actually, so so I WordPress was the the people that hosted the website. I'm pretty sure I had WordPress deal with the the domain registration as well because I yes. think that they were able to handle both of those. And the third one that you mentioned is email, and I we, I actually used G Suites at the okay. time for um, to create the business email for all of us there. Uh, my current parish, uh, we we actually just had we did a, a whole new website there too. They the, the old website was in desperate need of of <laughs> repair and fix. So. <laughs> yep. We actually went through a company called eCatholic. Oh yes, and so they are good friends. Been really phenomenal to to work with, and yes. So so they they actually we got them to basically flip the old website to the new one. So they pulled all the information over, and I've been slowly kind of um, tweaking things as we go, but super user friendly and it works really well. So we're using eCatholic for hosting. Um, we're actually using GoDaddy for our <laughs> domain registration. Yep. Um, um, and then our email for, for our current website is, uh, Microsoft 365 exchange. And we're actually with our, the, the diocese is using the same thing so they can actually manage right. our email as well. So that's super nice. Cause that is good. I can just go to, go to the tech guy at the diocese if there's problems and, and he and I are good friends and actually I don't contact him hardly at all. Cause I can figure <laughs> out most of this myself. Right. So, um, I, I found 
that 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 works really well. I I don't know the the ins and outs of the behind the scenes, but I I do experience yeah. the the fruit of uh, Microsoft 365 Exchange, and I love it because it because we also have then access to all the Microsoft Office products, mm-hmm. Word, Excel. Um, Publisher has been a really nice one because I've been trying to put together a. Um, in fact, we did when I was at the cathedral, and I want to do this for St. Lawrence as well as a booklet, um, worship aid booklet for the Triduum. Oh, nice. And this year I yep. didn't quite get to it at St. Lawrence, but yeah. something like Publisher is super helpful for that. And being a Mac user, I don't have access to it. So we have, <laughs> we have Windows uh, laptops that I have been able to, to pull that up on. So, so that, <laughs> that's my, my situation in a nutshell. When I was director of communications for a, a parish collaborative, I did it in Adobe InDesign because I was a, a mm-hmm. based on a Mac. But uh, when I left, I had to sh- shift it to Microsoft Publisher so that the secretary could take over. Uh, but we used eCatholic as our as our websites there, and it was yeah, eCatholic is great for parish websites. Mm-hmm. Go to them, and they're longtime friends of uh, of SQPN, and uh, I I recommend them heartily. One of the things that has been super cool that they've done. Uh, we haven't implemented it at St. Lawrence, but being involved at the cathedral for so long, uh, they had they implemented during the pandemic a, a, a sort of a an embedded live stream option. Yep. So I know that like our cathedral has really been able to utilize that, and it's just you know plug and play into the website, and it and it works, and it works well. So yeah, I I have I have only good things to say about eCatholic, and I really appreciated their web design. Uh, of course, if you're if for Mike's situation where he's uh, doing a business website, that eCatholic isn't ideal. It's not right. going to work for them because <laughs> they, yep. they do, they do, they do uh, business. I mean, uh, parasites, but uh, so I'll, I'll talk a little bit about what I use personally and what SQPN uses. Uh, Cause those are slightly different. So for personally, for my website, that's been online for mm, over 20 years now. Uh, so it has about 20 years worth of blog entries on it. Uh, is Bluehost, which uh, it does shared hosting. Well, I started a shared hosting and ended up having to move to a uh, virtual dedicated server, dedicated virtual server. Uh, you know, to explain that in a second, uh, just because it's so massive now and it, it consumes so much resources that it was uh, uh, clogging up the shared server for other customers. But uh, but Bluehost shared hosting is about five five forty five a month for what would be good for a business site you don't want to get the lowest tier for a business site you want something with a, a few more bells and whistles um so it's not much but i'm i'll be honest i i have not been the happiest bluehost customer it's a it's a gigantic company and you're one among many 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 people uh and and it's not the easiest interface to use and all that sort of stuff so i, I don't know that i can recommend it for a business at this point uh, what SQPN uses, because we have very high server needs, uh, we, because we're serving out all thousands of podcasts a day, at gig, you know, gigabytes of data uh, at a time, uh, we needed something stronger. So we have DigitalOcean, it's a combination of two, two different companies. So DigitalOcean provides the server itself. It's a dedicated virtual server, and their servers can do anything, and they, they run all kinds of stuff. Uh, and it, some of some of the technol tech, the the technology of it is a little beyond my knowledge, and probably Jack Barazzini and and Thomas Enroho would probably know this stuff a little better than I would. So you know, if we need to talk about it further, I'll I'll wait till we're there on an episode. But 
uh, suffice to say that these are you can basically rent virtual servers that are really optimized for high power and delivering stuff. And Server Pilot is software that kind of goes on top of that in that cloud server that runs WordPress and PHP. And WordPress is free software that that can run a website. It's the it's the 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 software for the site. And we we are a WordPress based site and that sort of thing. So those are more expensive in the tens of dollars per month, but for a business that might make sense. So just to kind of make sure that even I'm wrapping my mind around this and yep. so for the average listener, DigitalOcean is like where all the media files are stored, all the podcasts. And no. so like Actually not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. the, so the podcast files are stored in a in a in a podcast hosting uh, service called Libsyn. So, but the I don't want to get too much of a field in how podcasting works. But there's a file is mm -hmm. a file called an RSS file that basically mm -hmm. lists all the podcasts. It's it's a long text file written in something called XML that lists all the podcasts and it embeds the the links to the files in it in it, in it with hundreds of episodes, it gets really big and every single user downloads the entire file. Every time they hit it, their podcast software hits it. So that means tens of thousands of people downloading multi megabyte file several times a day. That's serving. Okay, so a anybody, lot of data. anybody accessing the podcast, they have to go through the digital ocean to, it will basically yes. get to directed to where the podcasts are. Okay. Yes. At some point it's pulling that file off of the, our server at DigitalOcean. Pat, you had something? Yeah. I'm just going to say I, I've been involved in two different websites, both for making them for my customers as well as my own. And uh, one of them was Lunar Pages, which has now become host Papa. Uh -huh. And then the other one was host Gator. Yes. I've heard and that. I've been real pleased with both of those. Um, as far as uh, they, they both had WordPress options and the ability to go in and yourself and back up files and upload files and all that. And then as well as uh, the WordPress type files, uh, I have a son who also does websites. So he right. did my website, you know, in, in his own scripting, et cetera. So uh, yeah. anyway, so I just wanted to point out that that's kind of a medium price. It's not as low as $5 a month. It's more like, nine or twelve dollars a month but i've been real happy with them that's good that's good i would also throw out i've heard good things i, I can't vouch for them but i've heard good things about is it squarespace and wix uh -huh. yeah um for, for also creating being... your own little websites yeah. yeah yeah you get a little more constraint within that because you're creating a site through the browser on you know on their site so it's almost it's like ecathic is the, is the same way as you create mm -hmm. the site through the browser uh, as opposed to up, you know, creating the files, you know, offline and uploading them, that sort of thing. Uh, but for many people, you're right. Like a Squarespace or a Wix site would probably, especially for a consulting business, that's probably plenty for you. So yeah, that's because a good they, point. They they give you templates that you can use and then just plug in your own information yes. rather than building the entire thing from scratch. And especially yeah, if you if you don't know HTML, this this is a visual. You just plug and play put your information in and, and right. even drag and drop, move things around different modules. Pick your and, colors, pick your styles, yep. pick your, yep. your look and feel. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Those are good. Those are awesome uh, choices. So that's hosting. And uh, so that's where your, your site lives and operates from. Uh, but you need a domain name to, to point to that. Uh, you, and like you said, father, you can often go through your web hoster and service and they'll register your domain for you. I, I kind of like to separate them. 
just because if I want to change web hosts, I don't also have to worry about my domain getting my domain from them. Uh, and I feel like a dedicated domain registrar, it's what they do, you know, and they're, they're invested in doing it well. And I have two that I recommend. One that is the one that we use primarily both personally for me and for SQPN. It's hover.com. And one of the things I love about Hover is they have a they have made a customer service promise that whenever you call, you will always talk to a person. You won't get voicemail. There's no voice trees. It's right to a person. So they and they will help you. You know, they go beyond the the, the call of duty sometimes to help with basic things. They also have a service where you can pay a little extra and they will just take care of the problem. They'll transfer and move and things and all the all the configuration uh, for you if you want. Um, it's a little that that extra service is a little more expensive, but uh, the domains are, are reasonable. The regular domains, just registering one is is a, is reasonable per month. Um, it varies be- depending on what your uh, three letter top level domain is. So, you know the, the the TLD. So .com, .org, dot you can't get edu unless you are an educational institution. Uh, .net, um, but there's a whole bunch of others. .biz, you know, there's dozens of them now. Um, but but and there's different prices for them. Uh, but so hover, and then the other one I recommend, uh, if if you don't go with hover, is uh, namecheap.com, n a m e c h e a p dot com. Uh, I've used them in the past; they're okay, they're they're fine. There's not, I have no problem with them. I just like hover. One of the things I like about hover is they don't try to upsell me. They're not trying to sell me hosting and you know security services and malware protection, all this other stuff that the uh, stop mama. <laughs> likes to likes to throw at me when I'm when I'm checking out that sort of stuff. So, uh, how about you guys? Any particular preferences with domain registration? I went through uh, the the two services that I had and used them. Okay. Although I have I've had a third one that I went through Google for Google domains, and that I, that was simple, inexpensive, and just really easy. And uh, so that was that was a good choice on that. I have a yeah. thing where sometimes I'll think of, oh, that would be a cool domain name, and I buy it, and then I don't use it, and I let it go, and that sort of stuff. It's it's a problem, so don't get don't get started doing that. <laughs> it's just like you can col- you can end up collecting domain names, and it's not a necessarily a good thing to to collect <laughs> domain names and waste money on them. So those are another virtual product, right? Yes. In other words, those those uh, virtual things like the oh the, the NFTs uh, icon, NF- yeah. yeah. <laughs> someday we'll this have isn't to art. Yes, yeah. Someday we'll have to explain what those are, but uh, that'll come after I've understood I, what they are. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm still confused. I've, I've heard it again. explained, but yeah. Um, I was just going to mention that for my personal website, I I have just gone through WordPress, and they manage my domain and my website and it's just basically a blog site but i i like the look of it and i don't i haven't changed in years and i probably don't plan to so i'm happy with with them managing all of it so and i and i haven't had any issues with with wordpress.com so good and then the third thing he asked about was uh email email servers and uh, so father you mentioned one microsoft exchange you can get microsoft 365 exchange online you can just as a just an individual business. You don't have to set up your own server. You don't have to manage the server. They do all that. That's about four dollars per user per month. That's how most of these email server services work. If Exchange is important to you, if it's something you've already known or whatever, that would be fine. Um, For most businesses, I imagine that's they're they're probably familiar with the Microsoft products. Yes, most right. are. So right. that would be. Yeah, very ideal for someone coming from that background. Yes, especially if you're and used from to a support. Mm-hmm. From a support perspective, uh, having a a 
server hosted with Microsoft 365 and Exchange. We we have a lot of our business customers that do that. And it makes it so much easier rather than having to mess with all that stuff and having the recovery problems and the syncing problems with it on Exchange. It's just at 365, it makes it so easy to, to uh, help your client with. And if you're interested in, in uh, Microsoft Teams, that's that's part of this whole system too. So the inter within the business communication and, and sharing files and working and collaborating and, and all of that, it's it's the Microsoft version of Slack basically. Right. But yes. that's also part of the the ecosystem of the Microsoft three sixty five, which okay. could be very beneficial for that kind of a business. Right. And we have a lot of businesses too that have their own internal uh, I'm trying to think inter- intranet. Yes. Mm-hmm. So and they've got a, a platform for that, and uh, I can't give you the name at the moment because my mind went blank. But basically, that uh, so they could have a, a a facing out to the world internet internet site mm-hmm. as well as so just their own employees having the place to put documentation, procedures, uh, you know, all these things within their own site, and that's all built in. Right, it's really nice. SharePoint, that's it. Right, SharePoint. right. SharePoint. Yep. And uh, one of the things I want to, that's what I was trying to say. One of the things that you don't want to do, you like hosting, having your own website, you having your own server for hosting your website. That's, that's one thing. You don't want to host your own email server unless you absolutely have to. Configuration and security, especially, is a nightmare from what I understand. It's, it's a constant battle. Stability. Yeah, and stability. You don't want to have to do that. So you, you do want to outsource that. So there's Exchange. Uh, that's not the only option. You could go with something like fastmail.com. I hear a lot of people talk about who they want. They want the uh, privacy. They're big on privacy, big on, you know, you control your own information. Fastmail, that's $5 a user per month for a business level account. Uh, or you could do, SQBN does, we we use Google Workspace, which used to be G Suites, which used to be Google for domains and they keep changing the name every other month, but it's right now it's called Google Workspace. Uh, that's $6 per user per month, although SQPN, we get it for free because we're a nonprofit, and that's good. If you're a nonprofit uh, organization, a ministry of some sort, definitely check out uh, the Googles for nonprofits. You want to you wanna get in there because it's free, and that's, that's a huge cost savings. But, uh, but G Suite, one of the, the things I, that I recommend highest with, G, with Google Workspace is its compatibility with integrated apps. So lots of apps and other stuff works with it and just seamlessly. So like my calendar apps on my iPhone and, you know, I have, uh, you know, Google Meet is what we use for recording the podcast and that integrates with the calendar and invitations. And it's, it's I mean, it's the Google, you know, uh, ecosystem. Yeah, the Google yeah. ecosystem. I was going to say the Google octopus, which has its tentacles and everything, <laughs> is a good and a bad thing. And this is the good part of it. So uh, it's it's a little more expensive. It's six bucks a user per month. But I have some of my clients that that their small businesses decided to go with the Google stuff, and they've been very happy with it. Yeah, it was a transition, you know, where people were used to using Word and Excel. If they decided to go with the the Google Docs and the Google spreadsheets. That was a little bit of a transition, right? But other than that, it's 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 great for sharing in, in uh, collaboration. Yeah, we do our our show rundowns for this show in Google Docs, and it works pretty well. Mm-hmm. I th- I hope that helps, Mike. Uh, you let let us know if you have any further questions, or if any listener has any further questions about this topic. Uh, happy to bring it up again, and if uh, I may bring it up again and talk about uh, the dedicated virtual servers and that sort of stuff at DigitalOcean 
with uh, Jack and Thomas because they'll help me figure it out. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think I need to figure that figure it out too. I should know how that works. So that would be great. Let's uh, move on. First, we want to talk about. We want to thank our patrons uh, because our patrons, like Mike, they make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including. Trey, K, Frank, and Angela S, Cheryl J, Whitney C, and Burke I. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology in all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And I want to thank all our new patrons who helped us meet our goal of $2,000 in new monthly pledges, which helped, which is was our matching gift goal over the past few months. You've heard me say it many times. Uh, we were, we had a generous matching gift from a donor, and this is going to be big for us. It's going to help us redo our website, uh, which is one of our big projects for this year, and uh, launching a couple new shows as well, which uh, you're going to be very excited to hear about when they come up. All right, let's move on to talk about some headlines. Our first headline is uh, from from Motorola. The I always Motorola just like my brother and sister, and I think my other my other brother too, all worked for Motorola at one point back in the uh, 80s when they sold modems. Uh, and I remember it was the 9600 baud modem that was like the size of a suitcase that they had. Uh, if, if any of you kids remember modems. Anyway, uh, so every time I hear Mo Motorola, that's what I think about. But Motorola is trying to get this idea of the phone that becomes a computer with keyboard and a monitor that it hooks into. They're trying it again. Samsung tried it a few years ago with their Dex phone didn't really take off uh but uh motorola is do doing it again with their edge plus phone so uh with an android 11 update it's not running windows or mac os of course uh it's it's running a version of android so almost sort of like a google chrome sort of thing but i think it's got their own apps and stuff and the edge plus is a thousand dollar phone and it's going to give you access to all of the apps that are on the phone in a computer-like, desktop-like environment. What do you guys think of this? Is this something that they that they we should keep trying to do? What do you think? I I guess I'm thinking that again, it's trying to use a a tool that's great for one thing and trying to force it into another role. I wouldn't be interested in it. I guess I, I guess I'm torn. I mean, we're 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 in a uh, just our culture is and and I mean it just in developing new technology, we want to create that Swiss Army knife that'll do it all, right? You know, and the the less things that I have to carry around that do more things, that's that's kind of the ideal. Um, I don't think that we're there yet. I mean, especially there there's too much of a difference between what I can do on a desktop and what I can do on a tablet which mm -hmm. it sounds like this is going to be a glorified tablet. Um, it, yeah. If I want a desktop experience, it better be running Mac OS or it better be running Windows 10 or, or newer. I, I don't, you know, if I want a, a large screen iPad, I, I can get that. I just, I don't think that we're quite there yet. And the other aspect that I, at least on a personal level, I still like the distinction between my phone and the computer. Mm -hmm. Because I can at least mentally like like my my office laptop is like where all the office work happens, and if I have that on my phone, although I feel hypocritical here because I have my email coming to my phone and I really should turn <laughs> that off because like on days off and stuff that that kind of just takes away from from that re reprieve. But um, regardless, I like the separation of like if I'm going to go to the office computer, that's where I can do desktop things or. 
if I'm on my podcast iMac, that's where I'm doing this kind of work. And the phone uh, has its own little world. Yeah. And I guess I'm, I'm, I'm at this point still preferring those to be separate. I like your point about it's, it's sort of a glorified uh, iPad in the sense of the phone, phones are really powerful computers. In fact, the, the chip running the iPhone is very similar, although it has many more additions, to the new chip that's in the M1 Max. I mean, this is a desktop-class chip. So that's what they're thinking is, and that, and that's what you got in these Android phones too, is these are desktop-class chips. So why not do desktop-class things with them? But you a good point. Like, it's it's a slightly larger screen and a keyboard. Well, that's what I've got on my iPad. If I want to use an iPad, I'll have an iPad. And you know, someone will say, well, yeah, but that's another $1,000, whereas I've already got a $1,000 phone a keyboard and a monitor for that is not another thousand dollars. Okay. I, 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 I get, I grant that. So for some people that might be worthwhile, but yeah, it's not really a desktop experience. It's a tablet experience. So right. I, I agree with that. And there's just so much more that I can do on a desktop. Yes. I mean, and that's, that's exactly why we're recording with desktop computers, not, you know, from a tablet or, or yeah. you know, th there's just more, there's more that a desktop machine and the apps that are built for desktop, PCs and Macs are just right. So much more robust, right? Even Photoshop for uh, for iPad, which really has they have they even come out with the one that they keep showing us at WWDC every year? Like they keep showing us this uh, <laughs> Photoshop that's going to do all the stuff, but we I don't think I don't even know if it even came out yet. But it's it's like it sort of does all the stuff, and I see all these people who are always talking about, oh, my iPad is my my primary computer, and I edit video on it, and I edit audio, and I I try it, and I'm like. I mean, you could sort of do it, but you know, it's nowhere yep. near as fast. Is it worth the extra trouble? Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, and and like, like you mentioned, Father, like recording audio, you cannot do the things with audio on a on a phone or or a iPad that you could do on the desktop. Now, does that mean that it, that they could never do it? No, I mean, I bet mm -hmm. Apple and Google could put some programmers on the job, and they could figure out ways to route audio around, like we do. But if if they could get my iPhone to like plug into a port and have like a portion of the the memory on the iPhone be a Mac OS desktop operating system right and pull that up onto onto a screen and keyboard i would i would be willing to give that a go but right. as it is uh, no or to put it another way if there's a future OS that when it's just the mm. screen in front of me that is touch operated but when it's connected to a keyboard and a monitor it's uh, interface with a mouse or trackpad and does it, but both can do have all the power and in, in ability. I'm all for it, but uh, well, yep. you know, that's, that's, I think that's a, a future thing. So I agree. I don't, I think it's yet another too early for this. Not, it's not mm -hmm. quite. So uh, let's move on to our next headline. This was a little bit of a scary one. Uh, so ubiquity is one of these vendors of uh, cloud based uh, mesh networks wi-fi they also do other things they do uh network video recorders security cameras that sort of thing uh but the, you know a whole bunch of internet of things stuff and it's all cloud-based which means you manage it usually through a browser or an app that's hosted on their service and that's important because they a few months ago sent out an email to users customers saying uh we've had an unauthorized access to one of our servers and you're gonna next time you log in we're gonna want you to change your password 
you see these all the time, right? And we we've, we've, we get these all the time from different companies. Well, a whistleblower from inside says, uh, not so fast. They're not telling the whole truth. In fact, they had a complete breach of their cloud system. Like the, these hackers had access to the keys to the kingdom, essentially. They had everything. They had uh, master admin access to all of the single sign-on. Basically, without getting, you know, long story short, they could access any customer system as the customer anywhere in the world, any customer. And they have millions of customers. So that is a big deal, especially if they were not being forthright with how bad this was. Uh, what do you all think of this? It's kind of scary to think about. Yeah, especially since, you know, these days so many companies have been caught in how the emphasis now is on transparency and being up front, admitting what happened and moving on to to uh, remediation for them to say, oh, one of our cloud-based servers got breached. Oh, no, it wasn't just an Amazon server that got breached over there. It was everything. Right. And that, yeah, I think it. The dishonesty is bothersome, and the fact that they could get access to, as you say, all the cloud-based users, and I and I know some of my my uh, buddies have ubiquitous mesh systems that they do manage remotely, and that they can manage their the these small companies' systems from remote, you know, and so they that all of those would have been accessible. Right, that's real scary. Yeah, and it's it's just it's hard. Because a lot of these things, I mean, if you're going to live in the tech world, we have to we have to use some of these systems, right? And and I think I think as customers, what what we want more than anything is yeah, the transparency and the honesty, and and I mean, so that's why we're all up in arms on Facebook all the time is because they've they've shown that they're not transparent about what they're doing, and you know, and so it it's sort of where stuck between a rock and a hard place you can either just kind of pull out of everything and then you're you're going to be protected but then you're not able to engage in the technological world in the way that a lot of us want to right yeah so there's there's a trade-off there that we kind of have to make but but i but i think the issue is is or part of the issue is is going back to this just the the transparency and honesty of these companies is what Mm -hmm. we we want from them and just to, and I want to emphasize the the how bad this breach could have been, which is if if a hacker can get into any customer's account, it means that they can get inside your network and sit inside it and suck down all the data crossing the network. And that's a that's your you, your privacy is completely breached. And that's the big thing about this. And and the and the problem is that we 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 all are being kind of moved forward into these new, like it's not like the old days where you could have a router and you, the routers hosted a private little uh, web page that did all the configuration locally. And no, we want new features. And these new features come with new requirements that, that are give us convenience, quote unquote, but also put much more of our trust into the companies to be secure. And that's why we're always harping on security, transparency, privacy, these three things are are so important. We need to hold these companies accountable. Uh, we'll keep looking at that and see what happens with that story. But uh, meanwhile, let's move on to talk about uh, this other story. This is interesting. So one of the things that we, we have to, for keeping ourselves safe is we have to avoid getting malware on our systems and doing things that make us vulnerable. And so one of the security researchers have found that... Uh, 
gaming tools are being used to inject malware into people's systems, uh, primarily gaming mods and cheat engines. And so what what are mods and engines? Uh, So a mod, Father, you can help me out this with maybe, a mod is where a user-created modification to a game where it may be new levels or new skins for the mm-hmm. characters, that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, you, you've, you've, there, there's tons of videos where, I mean, I've seen like Thomas, the tank engine thrown into, you know, like the legend of Zelda, you know, <laughs> right. so like, yeah, mod would be a modification. So, so they're, they've done something to change the original game to, you know, either change how it looks or you can kind of break the code if you will, and, and get to, get to maybe spaces in the, in the world that you couldn't normally get to. And I mean, so they're, they're, they're ways of tweaking the game. That's okay. Not how it was intended to be done. And sometimes these, the developers of the games are okay with it. Sometimes they mm-hmm. encourage it. Uh, some, some of the mods are not encouraged. That sort of thing, but there's a variety of them. And right. then a cheat engine is basically what you think it is. It helps the gamer cheat. And when you say cheat, like I've, I've used walkthroughs when I've played a game that I just couldn't figure out the, the stupid puzzle and couldn't get on to using the rest of this game I paid $50 for or whatever it was. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, Riven, I'm, just, I'm looking at you. <laughs> uh, but, but sometimes the cheat engines are, they're just, they're just ways of, you know, I, I make my character in, invincible so I can beat all my friends all the time. Well, and there are some games for which if, you're, if there's this cheat factor, it could be real, real, uh, shall we say, real value that they're getting out of these things. Right. Uh, poker, uh, uh, gaming, you know, those types of things right. where if you are if you get something that lets you get better hands in your poker thing, then that's, that's exa- uh, there's some dollar value that's lost there. Right. So some of this and, is, some of that stuff is found in areas of the internet that are less reputable, shall we say. Yeah. And I think that's, that's key. So, so most of them, if you have online play, they will, they will ban cheaters right. who use this kind of software. I mean, so it's right. The cheat, the cheaters are are not are taken very seriously by the, by the online game uh, hosters and the community, right? And that's one of the things that makes people using these tools vulnerable is because they're trying to avoid being noticed, and so they're less likely to speak up if they get hacked, and that lets the hacking tools these uh, they call them rats, remote access trojans, and other kinds of malware spread easier because the people who are infected are the are less likely to look for help in clearing it because they've been doing something nefarious uh so the the lesson seems to be don't do bad things that leads to more bad things you know there's a moral and ethical thing here yeah this has been around a long time where people would try to download pirated copies of mm-hmm. Adobe Illustrator right. or something like that. And that's where the malware typically comes in is that's injected into those, uh, uh, shall we say, less than favorably acquired products. <laughs> right, right. It seems and so just... there's a there's a part of me that says, well, they got what they were going for. <laughs> they, you know, they they deserved it. But on the other hand, yeah. That's not fair either. Right. I mean, there's still the, the bad guys are doing bad stuff that they shouldn't be doing. Right. Yeah. I mean, you never want to walk down the, the dark alley to, to make that shady exchange, whether in the real world or in the virtual world. There's just right. more risk there of just bad things. Right. You well, know? And so some, yeah. some of the mods are, are, are fine and they're, they're you know, but I, I think that the key there is, is if you're doing something legitimate, first of all, 
be careful. You know, don't click on the the random ads that pop up if you you know are searching for these kind of things, and um, you know, make sure that your your antivirus and 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 all your your software updates are up to date. And and if right. you're ever just unsure, don't <laughs> click. Yes, you know, That's just like, say no. Yeah, yeah, just you know, always if you're getting legitimate uh, mods and other stuff like that. Get them from reputable sites. There are reputable mm-hmm. sites that where people get congregate to share mods and that sort of stuff. Um, go to the go to those places. It doesn't mean you're 100. percent There have been plenty of examples of of companies whose own like a company who've created their software and somehow the software they were hosting on their site got infected with a, a virus like tomato torrent. But uh, in, it, uh, that was one example that comes to mind. But in general, you're safer if you stick with known reputable sites and what do people recommend? Don't download from random places. Don't download through social media ads, <laughs> that sort of stuff. Or, just don't do that. Or just Google search, you know. Yeah. No. Don't no. do that. You're going to get all sorts of, yeah. Not yeah, good or things. weird torrent sites and that sort of stuff. That's that's bad. Wire. Yes, blast from the past. Yes, and uh, oh gosh, yeah, I'd forgotten that. <laughs> what was the other? What was the the infamous one? Net, um, a uh, Napster? 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 Yes, yes, Napster. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, back in the MySpace days. Yes. So uh, we have to have a. We're, we're now uh, going to start having. A, uh, we're going to have a wake here. We're, we're going to gather now for a wake at the funeral home for the voice assistant Cortana. Yes, Cortana not for not for Microsoft stuff, but Cortana's app for iOS and Android is shutting down. <laughs> what? You didn't know there was a Cortana uh, app for iOS and Android? Where have you been? Oh, I did. I did. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. There was so Cortana was Microsoft's voice assistant, like the S lady and the mm-hmm. the A lady from A-Lady. from Amazon and <laughs> I get the things all around me in there. I don't want it's like it's like having babies asleep near you. You don't want to say their yep. name and wake them up. Uh, that's that's what it is. Uh, and I've never was quite sure why I would want to install Cortana on my iPhone when because like if I ask it something, it's going to go. It, it's it's going to do what I could do with the S lady. It's going to be a Bing search. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's that's that's all it is. It's, and Bing is never the best search <laughs> engine anyway. Right, right. <laughs> but what did have you ever either of you ever tried it? Of course I've, I did. Not on the. Yeah, well, I, I didn't. <laughs> try it on the the ios devices because i i have enough windows devices that it's already on there and so it's like eh, no thank you i usually disable it okay. turn it off and i and i am being facetious i i am a big uh halo and xbox fan so the reason i downloaded cortana is because it was cortana Right. And you should explain why that has to do with Halo and Xbox. So so Cortana is the in-game character AI who is who is basically dare I say this the sidekick of you as the main character the master chief. Yeah. So you and you as oh. the master chief and Cortana is the AI that is trying to to help you take down the enemy covenant. Um essentially there's yeah. there's a heck of a lot more that goes into it but Right. And this was on the Xbox? This is on the Xbox, yep. And so That's why Microsoft could yep, use it. Yep, yep, yep. And in fact, I mean, um, Jen Taylor does the voice for Cortana in the game, and she did the voice for Cortana, the, the app, the digital assistant. And so part of the, the fun of downloading Cortana onto my iPhone was that I could hear Jen Taylor's voice tell me <laughs> what the weather is rather than the S lady. Right. So I never I never really used her in the way that I could use the S lady 
because the I, I'm not in the Microsoft ecosystem in the same way that I am in the, right. the Apple ecosystem. I will say too that I that I did get the the harm is it the Harman Invoke speaker, uh-huh. which is the only actual physical speaker that Cortana was built into. Okay. Ah. So, <laughs> nice. and again, I got it for the same reason that I just, it's kind of fun you to say, like the hey, Cortana, you know, yeah. and what's, what's the weather? And she'll, she'll tell me. So, um, so t- yeah, to be, to be blunt, I, I haven't opened the app on my phone in probably years at this point now. Right. So right. I, uh, there, I'm not losing anything and, and she's not, she's not gone, gone. She's just yeah. gone from, from those apps. iOS and Android. Right. Yeah. She'll still be, I think it said that she's. She's still f- very integrated into the Microsoft Office yes. kind of world. Yes. Yeah. She's yeah. So. You'll, and you'll be able to use it on your phone till July. Um, yeah. I kind of wish that I could get Durandal, which is the uh, Bungie who makes Halo and created Cortana. That was that was the half mad AI in their marathon uh, game. That's the precursor to uh, to, to uh, Halo. There's there's just something fun about those kind of voices. Yeah. Like interacting with me personally not just the character in game in but, the game right you yeah. know uh the the uh apple s lady and the the amazon lady they're sort of generic voices but but jen taylor as cortana or the one that you had just mentioned those yep. those ones there's there's more of an emotional connection right which right. i think at one point there was you could have I think Tom Tom had a GPS that you could download Darth Vader yes. as the voice that you could have directing you with your GPS. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> Waze, Waze has some voices that you can download, it? and they yeah, change those to, out I need occasionally. To look at those. But there was, a, but, you know, if yeah. I if I if I could get Patrick Stewart to talk to me, <laughs> I'd be in heaven. <laughs> Engage. <laughs> yes. Well, and they had R two D two and C three PO on Waze yep. once, which was awesome. Uh, and then uh, you can actually get Samuel L. Jackson on the Echo, which, let me tell you, mm. is a trip. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's awesome. I want Morgan Freeman. That's what I want. So <laughs> someone make it happen. Uh, all right. Our last our last headline. This is kind of a funny headline. Uh, I can sympathize with this one because I've sort of been here. Not exactly, but I've, I, I can understand this guy. What this guy's shoes are like uh, the U.S. Strategic Command. Uh, is the keeper of all of the United States nuclear armaments. They are in charge of, you know, keeping them ready to go to war at any point. So it's a very serious uh, organization. You know, it's part of the Department of Defense. And but like all people nowadays, all organizations nowadays, they have uh, Twitter accounts. And so there's a official Twitter account. And the Twitter account posted recently a nonsensical string of letters and punctuation, semicolons mostly, uh, at, at random, and then it was deleted just a few minutes later, and people freaked out. What's going on? <laughs> and then it turns out that the social media manager is working from home like everyone, and he'd left his computer unattended for a few minutes, and his very young child banged on the keyboard and sent a tweet. And... <laughs> It happens. You know, it's not a big deal. I've uh, I used to be in charge of the social media accounts for the Archdiocese of Boston. Uh, I once tweeted from Cardinal Sean's account in the middle of the 2013. Was it 13 or 11? 13 um, conclave when he's supposed to be incommunicado in the conclave. 
And then I had to I had to send a tweet immediately afterwards saying uh, that was not Cardinal Sean. That was an accident. Uh, oh. so we apologize. Uh, I don't want to make an you know the worst thing you can do is make an international news about about that. But I have to say about this one, people kind of freaked out. Like, how could the strategic command le- leave their computers insecure to be touched by a com- by a kid? And I'm thinking. This isn't the guy with home. the the guy with the with the launch codes. It's not the general. It's like some flunky who's in charge of the social media account. It's not a big deal. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? It was, I, I thought it was kind of funny. I didn't look at the actual Twitter account, but maybe you did, Dom. What yep. what would they tweet in general? I mean, they're not <laughs> going to be tweeting like you know upcoming you know tests or missile launches. I mean. Yeah. Oh, it's you know, US, like, US well, underscore guess, Stratcom. Let me see if I can pull I guess it up I'm without. Curious, I'm curious what they're tweeting in gen- or why they need a Twitter account or if they're just because everybody needs a Twitter account. Well, it's a lot of that. It's whatever PR, like every organization has a PR person. Uh, so what do they tweet? They tweet uh, stuff like the official account, Twitter account of US Strategic Command. And it says just like here's here's one from today. Uh, they, well, they re- NATO turned 72 last year. We're proud to serve alongside our allies and partners ready to take on the challenges of the 21st century. You know, it's that sort of PR stuff. PR. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, okay. the, uh, in case you, Goodwill. three are a B2 okay. spirits along with a hundred, more than a hundred airmen deployed to Portugal last month. Yay. You know, that sort of stuff. So it's, it's okay. rah rah stuff, you know. It's not, it's not state secrets. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of silly that that people kind of got like, oh no, that the Twitter account is breached. Well, or thinking it had been hacked, you know, as opposed to just an accidental thing. Yeah, but... or or I was thinking people could have looked at it as like the wake words for the the Winter Soldier. Like, <laughs> yes. What is this? What is this phrase of characters, and what's it? What did it launch? Yeah, and suddenly the guys in the in the the, the missile launch officers in the bunkers like become robotic. <laughs> I must launch right. missiles. Yes, no, it was nothing right. like that. Yeah. <laughs> All uh, right, that's enough. Enough of that silliness. Let's move on to our more silliness of the picks of the week. Now, these are actually some good picks this week. And Father, I'm going to let you go first with your pick. Okay, so my pick this week. Um, <clears throat> Kind of stems from the the last time I was on the Secrets of Tech when we were talking about emulators and ROMs and stuff. Um, I uh, my pick is a program called Parallels Desktop. This is mm-hmm. uh, for Mac, but it allows you to run a Windows 10 machine virtually on your Mac. So mm-hmm. the the idea would be is if you're transitioning from a Mac to a Windows, this could help you. Um, you can run it within within the Mac. You don't have to reboot your computer into into boot camp or anything it runs as a, a standalone app uh you can share files between the mac and the windows um i'm less interested in that i was more interested in um i'm trying to get need for speed carbon which is a it was released <laughs> on pc in 2006 i'm trying to get that to run so i can play play some old games on it again uh-huh. uh but you can use it for anything or i could if i wanted to i could i could install the microsoft office and publisher on that and then use that within within my mac uh computer um so it's a really powerful virtual machine um emulator that would that would run windows and unfortunately it's not cheap it's 80 dollars for kind of your standard um uh, you pay once and you have the the software. You can also pay a little bit more, and I think you can 
can you can get a subscription based where you can get uh, continual updates but that's a subscription but if you want just a one time purchase it's $80 um and then you have to purchase the windows um license key on top of that so it you know that's a separate purchase as well but there's a i think a 15 day trial with that and windows you can try it too before you're forced to to buy the the license key and you can and it and it really it runs it runs really well i i booted it up this morning and was kind of playing around with it and so okay. if you're interested in in kind of but th- this is for mac users right uh, who want to run windows it doesn't work the other way around now i know that they were that they were not yet ready to have this for the new M1 Max, the new Apple Silicon Max. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know if they've updated for that yet. It's a whole set of technical problems to, in order to do that because uh, they no longer run Intel. You know, it's not an Intel chip inside an M1 Max, mm-hmm. so they have to do some new things uh, to get it going. So I'm not sure that it runs yet on M1 Max, the brand new stuff. But uh, but for if you for the vast majority of Macs that are out there, they're still Intel Max, and so that would be a yep. good choice for that. Excellent, Pat. What's your pick this week? Well, independently, <laughs> I had purchased a program called Crossover, which runs on a Mac and lets you run games or other programs. Uh, and it's it's more tailored for did this thing get converted so it can run under the code you know Code Weaver's pro- product. And specifically, I have a daughter who wanted to play certain games that her PC friends could play, and she could not. So she is now running Witcher 1, Witcher 2, and Witcher 3 will run under crossover on a Mac. So, and so it's, it's one of these things that was, again, I could also put Quicken in there. I could put things, but it's not everything. It's like they have some scripts that let you say, okay, what things do we have available that will run under this uh, crossover? And so not everything out there is, okay. but you could you could tailor your scripts and put some DOS games or things like that over there as well. So I wanted to be clear. So it's a, a, a software you run on your Mac that lets you run certain Windows software on the Mac. Right. And it doesn't require... Win- the Windows operating system, correct? No, it does not. Okay. No. Yeah. But uh, but only certain apps, only certain Windows apps will run on the Mac operating system that ha- that are already compatible with Crossover. So they have to be compatible with Crossover. And something- or somebody has to come up with the scripting right. to do it, and then they can make it available to other people. Right. But yeah. Okay. Uh, good. Interesting. And is it uh, that, I'm sure that costs something. But uh, uh, let's see. They've got the the single user version, which I got, was forty dollars. Okay, not bad. Not and bad. then they've got a pro version that's sixty dollars that gives you twelve months of support and upgrades. And then they've got a lifetime of five hundred dollars. Okay, well, which I don't think I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> My lifetime is not that long. <laughs> well, I feel like I should do an emulator of some sort or something that lets me play Windows games. But I, because there are some Windows games I'd like to play. But instead, I'm going to do something that's going to take me into the great outdoors, uh, some technology for getting outside. Uh, this is a, an app called All Trails. It's a, well, it's a web service with apps, alltrails.com. And what it does is it connects you with the outdoors, places to go out outdoors. It's almost like a like almost like a Yelp for the outdoors in the sense that there's all these places, all these trails, and everywhere you live, even even in the most urban settings, there are trails. There's outdoors places. There's nature around you. I mean, just looking at at, at all trails. If you go there and it, you let it, you know, look at your location, it'll say like for me, there's like 
this pond and this town forest and this loop trail and this other loop trail and on and on. And it gets categories like hiking, running, wheelchair friendly, family friendly, mountain biking, friendly for dogs, road biking. And and so when you go to one of the links, it'll tell you whether it's easy, whether it's moderate, whether it's hard, how long it is, how much time they expect that an average person would take to, to do it. And if you sign up with an account, you can do things like create lists. And if you, if you buy a subscription, like an annual uh, subscription, like I did, uh, you can create maps and print out maps and you can have it on your app, on your phone, and you can access the map on your phone and you can even record your hike uh, using the app on the phone. So it'll keep track of where you are and where you go on the hike uh, uh, so that you can you know, upload it or save it for later in case you want to keep track of where you went. So I'm a, I'm a, den leader, a a Cub Scout den leader for my son's den. And I also am uh, involved in my daughter's scout troop. And so there's lots of outdoor stuff we need to do. I'm constantly having to try to find places to take them outdoors and go different places and look at trees and animals and all that sort of stuff that scouts do. And this is excellent for that. This is a great uh, resource. And then one of the things you, you can do is like I said, it was like Yelp for the outdoors is you can read other people's reviews of a place and the things that they've said about it. And you can write a review of the place and you can find some hidden gems. Like just even we go, my family, we go out a lot of hikes around. We like to get out and about and do stuff. And there's lots of places that I never even knew were there that I've found on, on this site. So it's really a, a really great service, alltrails.com. And it really integrates well with uh, iOS and with Android, and it re- the apps are really good, so I would check that out. Uh, I forget how much the how much it was, but uh, I want to say it was like a couple bucks a month. So about thirty, I think it was like thirty bucks for the year. There's several different levels, but your basic plan was like I think thirty bucks for the year. And if you go outdoors very much at all, that, that's that's well worth it. I think uh, the to 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 help you plan the outdoors, especially if you've got kids that are cooped up indoors for the past year and they need to get out. This is great. And if you're a scout leader, this is great. So uh, just, I want to recommend it. All right. I think that should do it for us. Uh, I want to ask the listeners, if you have anything you want to tell us, any feedback you want to give us, any questions that you have for us, like Mike did at the top of the show, you can go to sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page at facebook.com slash starquestmedia, or send an email to technology at sqpn.com and ask away, comment for us, give us some feedback. You can find links from our discussion and our picks of the week on our show notes on sqpn.com. Follow the Secrets of Tech in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher TuneIn, everywhere podcasts are found, or on YouTube, where you should also hit the bell to get notifications of new episodes. Until next time, Father Andrew Kinstetter, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Absolutely. This was fun. Pat Scott, thank you as well. Adios. And once again, I'm Don Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of technology on StarQuest.